Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host. Janine Hamner-Holman. We are going to do something a little different. So this is the first podcast that we are recording in 2024. It's not the first podcast that you have received in 2024, but it's the first one that we're recording. So happy new year. And I am going to try getting rid of the first segment of the podcast that we've been doing historically and sort of getting right into the meat of the issue. Please let us know if you like the new format. You can either reach me directly through the show notes or you can reach my team directly through the show notes. The team is teams with an S at jnjcg.com. So let's get into it. Our guest for today is Dave Oates, who is a crisis PR expert with 30 years of experience in helping organizations of all sizes deal with a broad range of issues, such as mass layoffs, large-scale accidents, workplace violence, product recall, inappropriate acts by executives, so much fun stuff and more. So, Dave, what is Hi. something? Hey, thank you so much for being with us on the show. I appreciate it. It's great to see you. Great to see you. So what is something that you or your clients have been failing to pay attention to in their business? And what's the cost of that inattention? Like, what's the problem that that inattention is causing? The biggest one, and it happens to organizations of all shapes and sizes, from the mom and pop shops on Main Street to the big corporate uh, conglomerates, is they don't pay attention to what people are saying about them online enough. I see it time and time again, where somebody is chirping about a division, a department, a boss, a supervisor, a company in general on Pick Your Poison. TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Glassdoor, Yelp, Google, Facebook. And it could be hours, oftentimes days, weeks before they know about it. And at, those, at that point, those comments, if they're not responded to and addressed by the entity quick enough, yeah. they become fact. Right. Like, just by this sheer reality that no one has checked it and there's right. nobody has said nope that's actually not how that happened nobody said anything right and in fact because they didn't know about it their silence gives the perception by the individuals watching it or reading it yep. that there must be some truth there otherwise they would have said something so yeah. it becomes truth and I, I say i say to organizations all the time and 
speeches that I give and talks and workshops, <laughs> I say, don't be the last person I know that somebody's chirping about you online. Yeah. Right. Good or bad, you should know about it. But I see it oftentimes that, you know, I get a call, something's been up for about a month, it's now gone viral. And the way they find out about it is because their customers don't come back as frequently as they did before. Business partners start saying, hey, what is this? What is this thing that I'm seeing that somebody brought to my attention? What is it that you're talking about? And, and then I get a call because now it's affecting operations. It's affecting top line revenue. It's affecting profitability. Employers are, haven't heard anything, but what somebody else outside is saying. So the costs are top line, bottom line, employee retention, recruitment, all aspects of your business, because somebody didn't know that somebody else was taking a pot shot at you on some digital platform. And, and so part, I think I want to unpack this a little bit because Part of what can be difficult for organizations to get their head around or challenging for organizations to even think about is that there's there's so many different platforms that are out there. There's so many different places that somebody could go to say something maybe less than positive about an organization. Right. And so... How do you know which ones are the important ones to be monitoring? No, great question. The, it'll come down to a couple of things. First off, you'll want to know where the bulk of your audiences are. So if let's okay. say you're a veterinarian and you have a, you know, a, an office facility that caters to an affluent area of, you know, a neighborhood and pick, pick whatever city. Yeah. Well, I would say you, you better be on Nextdoor. Nextdoor, right. First, right. Right. Nextdoor would be a good platform because that's there. Yelp, Google, you know, Facebook, those kind of things are probably the entities because they're going to be people of influence that tend to be older or affluence rather to be older. And those are the platforms that you tend to use. If you are a cool nightclub scene that caters to the <laughs> 20s and 30s, yeah, probably don't have to worry about Facebook too much. Right. Grandma and grandpa <laughs> are not going. But TikTok, right? TikTok, yep. maybe Insta, maybe Snap. Those those entities are ones you're gonna you're gonna want to pay attention to the reels and all of that to see what's going on there. So you can just kind of pick where your audiences lie, and you can always do different surveys if you want to. And they don't have to be detailed. They don't have to be expensive. But you should know, you know, where your audience are at. And by the way. If, depending on what type of business you have, you probably already have a social media presence and maybe you don't use it to the maximum promotional benefit, but you should at least be able to be, to know where your customers and your business partners and other people that, that frequent your establishment virtually or physically, you know, are, are talking about you. And, and here's the thing, even if you're not really sure, there are platforms that will do the searching for you and they will search across right. all of those entities. Some of them are, are freemium. You know, they've got a free sort of uh, account that you can have that's very basic. And then there's sort of tiered pricing as you get a little bit more robust depending on your needs. But I, and I, I'm a big fan of Google Alerts. If, if you don't do anything else, Google, Google Alerts, put in your keywords of your name and entity. And, and you can set it where within two hours of somebody posting a comment, you're going to get an alert on that one. So, it's really not that challenging once you okay. know what to do to be the ones to figure out where, where to find out when somebody's talking about you. Awesome. So it, it has me think one of my clients has a person 
who has set up a website that is like watchdogging them. And so I made it a point to befriend that person, to get to know that person, to bring that person to the organization, have a tour, meet the leaders of the organization, to feel like they have an opportunity to really engage with the organization. They have my cell phone number. I just noticed actually earlier today, I got a text from him. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to give him a buzz back. Like, is that is that an effective strategy in general that if there are sort of leaders who are part of maybe the opposition or who are part of kind of watchdogging your organization, many organizations are are doing things that has the community be on ultra alert for them, whether they need to be or not, is making connections in those in those communities. Is that a smart strategy? I think if I hear the question correctly, the 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 opportunity is can others help you in the search and alert you to different yeah. comments and questions right online? The answer is absolutely right. Build a tribe. Yeah. And this this isn't just in a crisis communications mode. This should be what all organizations try to do in order to grow their business, build a customer base and client base, whether you're B2B, you're nonprofit, or you've got some, you know, the next great widget that somebody's selling on Amazon, right? You've got to build your brand that endears you to a client base who will sing your praises and tell others about why they should own the next ShamWow, right? So, so, so when, and if they're, if they bought into your brand, when somebody takes exception to something you may or may not have done, the hope is that they'll alert you to it and they will help defend you if it's worth being defended. Now, keep in mind, if no organization gets it right a hundred percent of the time, right? Everybody messes (laughs) up. We're humans, right? We are. We are far from perfect. They're fallible creatures. Absolutely, right? And 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 I, for one, am this, right? I, I tell people I live in a very, very large glass house, so I try to keep my stone-throwing ammunition to a minimum. That said, right, I, I see it where you, you, you are alerted to something like that and you immediately go into this defense mode and you're argumentative and you shout yeah, back to, to refute whatever it is that they're claiming because it's, it's been taken completely out of context. It's just hyperbolic. Now you're the second coming of Satan and so forth like that. But as my grandmother said, there's three sides to every story, three sides, yours, mine, and the truth. Right. Oftentimes there may be a little bit of modicum of fact about something you just didn't do to the expectation to meet the expectations of a client. Yep. And Yeah, it's being blown out of proportions and it's just crazy now what people are saying about you. But if you own that in your response in an empathetic and action-oriented manner, not only will your message resonate potentially with that audience member or those around them, but others, again, those who've alerted you to the problem will come to your rescue, will feel that somebody is just really out of bounds and will check them without you having to play the bad guy, right? So absolutely. And and that's just part of, of good business, right? <laughs> you know, we just finished, I know we're recording this, you know, about a month after the holidays. If you've right. seen it, it's a wonderful life, right? So absolutely so one of my favorites. Just, 
fucked, right? George is sitting there in the bank. And when people found out he was in trouble, people- Everybody comes to help. Cash and everything. Right. Covered, right? That's the tribe. That's the tribe you build when you build a good brand. And you're also open and honest and empathetic. And he did, you know, he was wondered if this was something he really should own up to. And when he finally, through the storyline said, I'm going to go back and I'll face the music and I'll fix it. People come to your rescue. If you're a good company and good people trying to do the right things, they may or may not, you know, have, have, you may have stumbled. Everybody stumbles, right? It's how, it's how you, you respond and how people will respond with you when you do. Yeah. And I, I love that point. And it's, it's one of the things I was with a group of uh, CEOs earlier this week. And one of the things that we got into talking about is that, you know, there's this, this buzzword around vulnerability and authenticity and like, you know, I mean, those are, those are great words, but really what the opportunity is, is ultimately to own it when we fall down, to own it when we make a mistake, because when we can do that, when we can like get out of our own way and be human enough to say, yeah, that that thing or that incident that you're upset about, there may be a little nuance to it that I want to share. And ultimately what I want to do is own it, accept it, learn from, from the mistakes so that we make new mistakes next time, we stop making that mistake. And, and when people get that you are being human, that you are owning your part of it, that you are accepting accountability for your part of it. I was just talking with a, a CEO of a, of a large organization earlier today, and he was talking about some of his business partners really have a hard time in owning their piece of things. And they want to deflect and they want to say, yeah, yeah, but then this other thing. Like, no, when we can just own it, even if it's only, we're only owning 10%, 10% of it, when we can own that piece of it, it humanizes us. It takes the temperature down in the room and it it has people see you more as a, a fallible person rather than, you know, a big, bad corporation. I use the phrase confidently vulnerable. Confidently vulnerable <laughs> is the term. And I don't take credit for, for the coining that phrase. It was actually... Yeah. A friend who does some wonderful nonprofit work for some at-risk individuals going through hard times, who has a lived experience, who said when when she talks to that audience, she opens up about her experiences, which then endear her, endears herself to the people with whom she's trying to, to build a connection. And I think yeah. when she heard that, I said, that's flipping brilliant. Although I yes. use another color. Yeah. You use, it, you use a, di a different yeah, word. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, <laughs> but, but it, it was so poignant in her yeah. discussion because in, in this day and age where anybody can spout a comment in anger with great emotion right. on social media, it's hard for business owners, nonprofit owners, leaders, mom and pop shops, family run businesses, to be able to withstand 
what seems like just an overwhelming onslaught of negativity. The, the and our natural reaction is to defend ourselves. But if you can open yourself just a little bit, again, empathy and action, two cardinal responses that I tell organizations of all shapes and sizes, no matter the crisis, you have to respond with empathy and action. If you can do that, be a little bit competently vulnerable. People will feel that they are heard. The reason individuals by and large, and this is more my experiences, some clinician and, and researcher may tell me differently, but my observation is people get angry and start to post things on social media or spout something to the news organizations or shout at the moon, largely because they are fearful of the situation at hand. They're scared to death. They feel overwhelmed and hopeless and voiceless. And that fear, if left unchecked, turns to anger. And if it's anger directed at, a, at an entity, their job is to try to reduce that anger and lower the temperature. You lower the temperature by telling them that you've been heard and telling them how you're going to fix the situation. And look, that even applies when there are situations where the claims, right, the accusations have zero basis, right? There's no modicum of truth at all to the, to the allegations. That said, you still need to give them a recognition that I hear you and here's what we're going to do about it. Does it mean you're necessarily going to change the tone and tenor and belief of the person who's making the, the accusations? No, but everybody around that who's seeing that will give you more often than not proper space. When you don't get the space, right, is when you go into fight or flight mode. You don't say anything, right. giving that narrative all of the space and all of the air. All the oxygen. Or you fight, right? You just scream and holler back. You meet that emotion with the same emotion. You meet the, you, you meet the, you meet the allegations, equal amount of allegations. Like I'm not the second coming of Satan. I'm the second coming of the Messiah. <laughs> okay. Again, we're all humans, right? Free, pretty imperfect beings. So, so think about those when you respond and it's, it's against human nature, right? We do it not right. do well in conflict. We do not we're not able to ground ourselves and take that in conflict because we feel that we need to protect ourselves. And that's just, that's an inherent core belief. We have to retool at least the communications brain and the professional sphere to yeah. combat in a crisis. And, and even if it's not a crisis, you know, we, I was, I was in another conversation this morning with about 40 CEOs around a big, huge, open, set of tables and someone had done a presentation about what's happening in, happening in the real estate industry. And somehow we got from what's happening in the real estate industry to what's happening in the world of work and how alone people feel and how people are looking to their organizations as a place to belong. And when they're not getting it from their organization, they get mad and they act out. And and how mental health has taken, you know, a big hit through COVID and we haven't responded well to that. And, you know, we got into this whole conversation about this with, with a huge age range, a huge gender, sexual orientation, you know, lots of different humans in the room with many different opinions. And you could see there were some people who really wanted to fight for their position. And we have become so positional and oppositional and, and 
you know, it was in large part a group of attorneys. And, you know, we've become so litigious with each other. And so we got into this whole thing about about that. And really, at the end of it, one of the things that that I was talking about is that we have the opportunity as leaders, as CEOs to to model something different, to model, you know, being that uh, confidently vulnerable, to be uh, willing to to take a hit and know that it's not personal. A very one of my very best friends uh, works with what she calls angry neighbors. And so, you know, an organization, a company, Verizon is putting up a uh, transmission pole in a neighborhood and that neighborhood's not very happy. Those are the angry neighbors that she works with on behalf of Verizon in this instance. And so one of her mantras for herself is Q-tip. Quit mm. taking it personally. And because so much of it is not personal, it's because people are frustrated. It's because people are afraid. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think we've shown society has a limit to the how much information we can we can absorb at any given time. Yeah. And the fact that we all have these wonderful little personal devices that allow us to not only be broadcasters, but to receive just a plethora of information overwhelms us, right? And that's, yeah. that's scary to begin with. Add to it that depending on the type of platforms, you have this fear of missing out or this fear of not keeping up because the postings that people show of their lives always perk. They're right. always- the, This is the old, right? this is the highlight right? reel. Right, the relationships are perfect. They're beautiful, are everybody's perfect. in love. The, and the dog is perfect, the house is perfect, the job is perfect. What a bunch of BS, right? <laughs> but here's the rest of us, because we all know that our lives are not that way. And even if you could tell people like, you know that their lives are not that way, it still freaks the bejesus out of us. Yeah. And so now we've got a situation where we're just scared to death and overwhelmed. And so, right, what we've done now is we've tried to, because we have the capability with our internet access and our internet TV and YouTube and our, and our mobile devices here, we can filter content. Yeah, that confirms our bias, right? Well, don't, don't give us opposing viewpoints. Don't give us different perspectives. Don't allow right. us to engage in civil discourse. I'm already freaked out about something you're telling me I might not have, right? Give me something that tells me you're good, you're safe. And I've had it in my own personal life, right? It's just, it's just the how we live right now. And so when there's a piece of information or somebody, somebody says that sort of shines light that you may not have this all correct, and whether that's in business, whether that's how you conduct your customer relations or your partner relations, let alone your personal relations, you get angry, you get yeah. overwhelmed, right? Yeah. And so we just scream and holler, we take sides, we, 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 you know, get into our fighting stance and we duke it out. And the reasons that my business <laughs> continues to be in demand is because of more than that. At some point, I think we, because we continue to have these type of conversations, yeah, I do see hope at the end for this, but I don't see it anytime soon <laughs> because of just the nature and how we prefer to do business. Yeah, we prefer to do business by text and post. I wish we would knock that off. It's just you know, it's not. 
the 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 juice of doing business is doing business with people that we like. I mean, I have fired clients because I don't enjoy working with them. I have the opportunity to do that because I have my own right. business. But, right. you know, what makes business work, what makes commerce work, what makes our economy work is that we do business with people that we like. We do business with with companies that we like, which is then back to your point of why we have to be paying attention to what's being right. said about our organization. And yeah, I was going to go back to that. So I appreciate you yeah. teasing that up, right? This is why it's so much more important for organizations to be attuned to what people are chattering online. Because you had said beforehand, you know, there's there's opportunities, not even in a crisis mode, to sort of see the 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 bellwethers, right? The red flags going up when somebody's not happy about that. And it may seem like it's coming out of left field. It may seem like it's insignificant. It may also seem to be irrelevant if somebody's claiming something that you're just right. what's way out of bounds. Like, person really doesn't understand what they're talking about. That may be true, but they've got a platform by which to, to articulate that to people and it becomes the truth. So, or it just becomes that much more expensive for you to try to correct that. So, so keeping an eye on that, monitoring those conversations, does a world of good to stave off the miscommunications and misperceptions. And oh, by the way, let's not, let's just talk about my world, which is, you know, crisis PR where everybody's screaming and hollering at them. <laughs> I, I heard a, I heard a great line. I, I got my MBA you know, 20 years ago. And one of the best things I heard in the entrepreneurial class that I had taken was somebody said, you want to know the, the next great business idea is you go to a party. And when you hear people complaining about something or you're starting to chirp or they're annoyed about something, uh -huh. there's a business in there, or at least there's some sort of service that you can offer. So look at it, not only as a chore, right? Got to keep track of Instagram. I got to keep track of this is just nuts because I'm worried about somebody who's just going to take a, you know, take a swing at me for no I good reason. It. Right. There's also an opportunity to find another line of business and revenue that could be really, really lucrative. So think about it as just good old fashioned market research in a digital age. Make you even more sticky with the clients that you already have. Absolutely. Right. If they know that you are talking to them and listening again. Why do people scream and holler online? They feel voiceless. They feel disenfranchised. They feel helpless. If they know that you're that you're listening to them because they're starting to chirp about something online that's not a crisis yet, and you go and you're able to say, hey, I think we got something for you. Let's help with that. Or can we talk? Oh, man, how about that? They didn't even have to, they weren't even addressing you. They were just, they were just shouting at the moon because of a frustration that kind of came and went in their head. You, they'll love you for it. Now you got a friend for life. So in thinking about this this podcast today, one of the things that I was realizing is that I am not paying attention to my social media presence. I have somebody who's doing that for me. I trust her. And I'm wondering, like, you know, so I do have a Google alert for my name. I don't have a Google alert for my business's name, no. but I, I, I have it for me. And I am not really monitoring my own sort of presence online. Right. Am I missing an important opportunity as the yeah. business owner, as the face of the company? Yeah. 
I would say, I would say just set up a Google alert on your business name, right? Any keyword okay. that you use, right? And I say, if you use it in your elevator pitch, yep, probably a keyword just to have, right? So I'm Dave Oates. I'm a crisis PR guy, right? My company is PR security service. Dave Oates, crisis PR, PR security service. That should be some alerts you have on there, right? And you can put those all in the same search, right? I want Dave Oates, crisis PR, and then maybe a second one I do is PR security service. And, and that should cover you. It doesn't have to be extensive and exhaustive, like I said, but, but you should look at how do people engage you? What do they call you when they engage you? Do they call you by your first name or do they call you by your company name? Do they call you by, you know, the job that you do or the role that you are in? Then you probably need alerts on those. And, you know, Google's got some great free content that'll tell you how to set that up, right? You don't have to reinvent the wheel and you don't have to be a social media expert to do it, but you do have to do it uh -huh. because you need to know what people are saying about you. Awesome. So we were talking earlier about that there are some, some services that you sort of pay as you go, you pay as you yeah. get higher up in things. Yep. Is there a good place that somebody could start doing that Setting setting those kinds of alerts to know what people are saying on if, whatever platforms. Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I think first off, you know, if you're a if you're a local mom and pop business, right? If you're Main Street USA, you've got a coffee shop or a restaurant or yep. you know some entity like that, or you're a you know you're a one truck plumber kind of thing. You know, <laughs> making gobs of money from that one there, and you got a website. Google alerts should be just fine, right? Okay. So, so don't, don't worry about all the other things. You're probably not using social media. Depending on the neighborhoods you serve, like if you're limited to a certain geographic area, maybe a couple of next doors and things like that. And just keep okay. an eye on that. If you're something bigger than that, right? You're a regional entity, you got, you got multiple locations or you sell to different markets. You might want to think about some other tools and, and there's, there's tons of them there. You know, Hubs Hootsuite is one that I do. TweetDeck, Sprout Social. And, you know, they'll, they may cost a little bit of bucks, but if you're a sophisticated, you know, with several dozen employees, you have sophisticated operation, several dozen employees, you do some, you know, you, you've got multiple entities and you serve multiple markets. It's probably worth the investment to know what people are saying about you, not only for crisis situations, but we said for market research. And at right. least just hear about it. And by the way, that's not just for customers and partners, right? But your employees, because your employees are, and we know this, I don't preach in the choir here, Janine, but employees are your most valuable marketing asset, right? Absolutely. They're the ones who are talking to customers far more than you are. They're the ones who are making things happen. If you don't keep them informed, they feel voiceless. They feel disenfranchised. That translates to poor engagement. With the right. people that you need to come into your virtual or physical front door to stay in business, right? Yeah. My example was that, and this goes back several years, but you remember that passenger of the United Airlines flight that got dragged off of the plane in Chicago? Oh, they, they, Big yeah. social media uproar, right? No. United put out a press release and it basically abdicated themselves of any wrongdoing because law enforcement was the one that dragged that passenger off there. And nobody told any of the employees what was going on. So imagine being that front desk clerk at O'Hare. Right. And a passenger's coming in to check in their bags. 
imagine how that person's day was all day long. Yeah. You're gonna, <laughs> what happened? Are you going to toss me off this? Hey, what the heck is going I, on with this I, stupid company? I have no idea what's going on. No one's talked to me, right? I, all I know is what I saw in the news too. That, that, that person felt like they were left hanging out on a, on a, you know, on a, on a skinny limb platform. Yep. And just skinny limb and just, you know, holding on for dear life, right. praying that the day gets over quick. And it, <laughs> can I please go home? Yeah. Yeah. So in a situation like that, so mm. something happens and, you know, with, I love that. I love that example. You know, some big organization, something happens in one part of the company. What should the organization do in terms of letting its people know what's going on in order to make it so that its employees aren't having to answer questions where either they look idiotic or where they're saying the wrong thing or whether then they're getting mad at the company or, you know, whatever the situation is. Yeah, so it was some big event that's starting to blow up all over social media and make the news. Organizations have to respond. And you need to respond quickly to, you know, the press and you need to respond quickly to your customers and emails and social media and all that. Yeah. And you should do that very, you know, as soon as you can with proper messages. Again, empathetic and action-oriented ma- messages. You know what it looks like. Sorry that it's happening. Doesn't mean you have to mint fault when there's no fault of yours. You have to be acknowledgement that this is not good and you're going to take care of it, which is the action. As you're sending out information to the general public, or ideally beforehand, you send information to your employees. You're seeing this one there. We're sorry that you're going to be asked a lot of questions for this one there. Here's what we are doing about it. And here are the things that you can say when you're pressed for that. And if you're asked these other questions, please get those to your supervisor as soon as you can so that we can respond for that and be able to answer that. And that means that organizations are going to have to then set up the flow of communications and how you field those inquiries and go back. And if you're a large entity like United Airlines, well, that means direct them to the FAQ page that you better have up on the website. You better have have somebody updating that. You better put out uh, video announcements with your CEO on YouTube and on Instagram and on Facebook and on all the other social media channels to tell people what's going on. And as you do that, there should be a video telling employees, this is what we're doing and this is why. And thank you. If you can catch a breath for a minute, hold a virtual town hall meeting. Field those questions from employees because they know what your customers are going to ask you. They know what the business partners are going to be. The persons who are bringing the food trucks to the aircraft, you know, to to resupply them before they take off the next route, right? They know what's going to happen and they will pepper you with questions that are going to be so valuable in creating good, authentic, empathetic, and action-oriented responses that then you can use for all the other means. By the way, your employees will be able to use it when they're talking about that. And and this takes training, right? This is as important as any disaster recovery initiative, planning strategy that you have in place for your systems get hit by ransomware. If a plant goes down because you lose power, some, God forbid, some, you know, accident occurs, things like that. But, you know, I've seen it time and time again. These are the kind of things we also train on. I know we don't because we think about all the other priorities and we think that the probability of something like that occurring is lower than it actually is. But but these are the things to be done because when it goes bad, it goes bad quickly. And the time to figure out what to say is not when it's occurring. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I are in a similar uh, conundrum in that, you know, people want to bring on uh, crisis PR when there's a crisis. People want to bring on organizational development consultants when there's a problem with their employees, when they're having too much turnover or there's, you know, HR issues or litigation is happening or, you know, whatever, there's a problem that they're trying to solve. And as you just said, you know, the best, the best time to solve the problem is before the problem happens, because then you're, yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely right. It. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to catch you there. You're absolutely right. There's, um, and, and, and I get called in when, when I say when the house is figuratively, not literally on fire, right? That's yeah. nine times out of 10. That's yeah. fine. There's still an opportunity to help. Just know that it's going to take longer. It's going to cost you more in terms of lost revenue, uh, lost profitability, increased costs. It will detract your business from its core operations because now you're devoting resources to answer the mail. And the longer you delay an adequate response, the more costly that gets. That's just how it is. And it's exponential too. Moreover, if you wait a really significant amount of time, you stand a really good chance of never getting that business back. Right. Because a competitor will take full advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. And if you are in, it doesn't even have to be a very highly competitive market, right? You could be in a niche play, creating some sort of really finite widget for the shipbuilding industry or the aviation industry or defense industry. I guarantee you, somebody's going to figure out how to build something really quick to take your business away if necessary. And it's yep. be very easy to do so. They've got a hard, you know, large pain point and they can replicate that product and then go to the client and say, hey, here's our advantage. We're not them. Uh, right. We don't bring their baggage. Right. Yeah. You know, when you think about Volkswagen and you think about British Petroleum and you think about Exxon and you think about, you know, these companies that have had very public gaffes. You think about things happening in the entertainment industry. And and so much would have been served if training had happened, if, you know, running scenarios had happened beforehand versus in the, in the aftermath and cleanup. It's, as you say, it's always much more expensive after the fact to deal with the problems that come about because of misdeeds than it is to realize, you know, when, when I did political work, I would always yeah. say, figure out what your problem is and hand, hang a lantern on it. Here's the issue. I got, you know, pulled over for drunk driving when I was 18. And here's all the things that I've learned from it. Like you own what the problem is and then you move past it. And people like, People buy that because it's yeah. honest and it's authentic and everybody has had something where they messed up. Yeah. And it takes two things, right? It takes, as we talked about before, and being confidently vulnerable. And yeah. oftentimes too, it'll take somebody else who has a, an outside point of view. I, and, and again, I speak from personal experience as well as professional experience. Sometimes we're not the best judge of our decision-making capabilities in times of stress. We believe that things aren't necessarily as they appear and therefore we can 
we can skirt this line without necessarily causing a lot of at least upfront pain. The reality will be though, is that the less you are engaged in that directly, the more pain you just defer later on with interest that comes back. But sometimes you think like the world, the world's when, when, when there's stress, it's the lizard brain, right? It's the, it's yep. the fear factor. And again, yep. if we, if we agree to the notion that people are shouting and screaming at you because they're scared and you respond in kind, the lizard brain takes over and you're, you're the squirrel that is almost right <laughs> across the road that then at the last minute turns around and runs right in front of the vehicle to their demise, right? That's just, that's how we send. So be confidently vulnerable, get other people in there who aren't yes people to give you yeah. the to give you an objective point of view as to where you're at. Yeah, and it's one of the things I was I was just writing something earlier today about diversity and how diversity has become this political conversation in business. Diversity is not a political conversation in business. Diversity is a business conversation in business. When we have diversity of opinion, when we have diversity of lived experience, when we have diversity of thought, we make better decisions. And companies, according to McKinsey, the, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the world of organizational consultants, businesses that are more diverse are 36% more profitable, bottom line profit than companies that are not. This is not, this is not a political left, right, center conversation. This is a business conversation. And it's the same thing with thinking about communications and PR. But it scares the ever-loving crap out of most people because when you, again, going back to we're inundated with information, right? We yep. are overwhelmed by this, we're overwhelmed by the perspective. It feels like we have no control over anything. So we filter our information offline and online to things that confirm our values. That means a lot of times we are in our personal life and professional life, we are very more, we are far more comfortable with hanging out with people who think like us, who act like us, yep. who do the same things, who have the same interests who have the same points of view. It just is. But you're right. We cut ourselves off to getting a wide range of points of view and perspectives that make us all stronger. But you have to be that confidently vulnerable to do that. Right. And it, it, it understandably very, very challenging for a lot of businesses that may on the outside be doing very well and they're still profitable and they're creating jobs and they're, they've got valuable products and services. But it's, you know, everybody marches to the next quarter, right? Are we, you know, are we going to meet the numbers that we need to? Because here's the goal and we've got this overhead. I've got dozens, if not hundreds of mouths to feed within this entity. And you just get overwhelmed with the stress that you, you bring with you people who think like you. And I've worked with this person right. for 20 years and they've been great. They've been in the same industry and we work side by side. And they think exactly like me. We went to college together. We hung out there. It's. Probably not. It, that's great. And that person should be on your team. But have others that you may not know, or, but have other experiences that will be just as valuable. Be a exactly. little vulnerable. For sure. For sure. Because then they'll cite, they'll cite and they'll see things. Much like we talked about with being the, not being the last to know somebody's chirping about you. They will see things that you don't. Right. They will see conversations and they will see opportunities, but they'll also see pitfalls and you'll be able to navigate through that. Amen. Dave, this has been a great conversation. And yet again, I have completely failed in my mission to keep my podcasts to about 30 minutes because I bring <laughs> on interesting people and then I just keep wanting to talk. So 
I'm going to start closing it out here. Is there anything that you were hoping we would touch on? Or, you know, this has been such a deep, rich conversation. Thank you so much. Don't be, that's my pleasure. This is, this is a treat. Thanks to Dean for the, for the opportunity to have a conversation with you and for the audience on this one. Look, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to listen to others. Don't be afraid to hear what people say. Uh, if they're mad at you, that's fine. If they're still talking about you, there's an opportunity there and you can get through it. That would be where I'll leave it for, for now. But Janine, this has been a treat. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Anxiety.